this morning, um, I don't know if you know what our missions team is up to, but whether it's Montrose Street Reach or the Crisis Pregnancy Center, um, any ministry that we're involved in tends to be faith in action, um, as it's as it's called to be in Scripture. And so, um, last night uh, or Wednesday night, when Omar came back Thursday, was telling us about just the way the Lord moved uh, on 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 that night, uh, and just to see the way the Lord fills our cup when we live for Him, it was amazing. And if you if you talk to Betty McNary, who you saw in the video about what God does at the Crisis Pregnancy Center, both here physically and eternally. Um, God is allowing us to partner with believers all over the world, all over the area, um, to get his name out there. Because faith works, and it's most evident when the Lord has cleared the path. Um, a year ago, um, a tornado went through the town of Birmingham and, and part of Alabama, and I found myself in a van um, with a group of about 10 men as we went uh, to to help when we when we arrived i've never seen anything like it before um we've we've lived in the south i'm from south alabama that's where the hurricane comes the tornadoes stay north of us and i've seen flooding and devastation but i've, I've never seen a, a slate white clean like, like a cutout path like a like a child with a lawnmower and as we were there talking with pastors and families and lives who, who just lost everything, it was amazing for the Lord to testify to us about the clarity that was being brought forth from the men and women who God had called his own, who were sharing with us in this devastation the opportunity that God still allowed for them to do, and the way that his name could still be praised. So 18 months ago, when we started our, our vision team coming together, um, it was on one side of a tornado called COVID. And we're not through with the devastation of it yet, of how it's wrecked our community, families, our small groups here at the church, ministries all around town. We, we know that the debris is still all over the place. But as our team came together, what we realized was in our church, the Lord had made evident the things that were not priorities or the things that were that weren't getting all that they needed to be. And he, and he started pulling us together around a vision statement that won't fit on the back um, of a postage stamp. It, it became longer. It became more fruitful. It, it's no longer just a quip, but it had purpose. And as we, we went through that, this passage in James came to my mind. In James chapter 1, the Bible says this. Excuse me, James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body what good is that so faith by itself if it does not have works is dead you know when i read that passage i've, I've thought about it personally maybe since the first time i've read it but as we studied and planned and prayed as a vision team it became obvious that a statement of faith is necessary 
But if we're going to be clear about who we are, there has to be action tied to it. So simply saying that we are going to be a community of faith that glorifies God, that was insufficient. There had to be a how, a how that was clear, a how that would make it harder for you and me to memorize, a how that, that wouldn't be as, as received in, in the way that it might be because we just want to know the what. But what Scripture tells us pretty clearly is it's, it's about the what, but if your what doesn't act, have a how, then the what doesn't matter, it's dead. And church, just like I was walking or driving through the debris in Alabama, as we drove through the debris that we're still wading through today, it became obvious that our purpose, our vision as a church had to be so clear that we didn't have things in it that didn't belong, but we had exactly what was needed to be in there. As we found ourselves landing, on this idea that God was calling us to be a community of faith that glorifies God through embracing his word, through impacting our circles with the gospel, and through empowering believers to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything started clicking. Because before the debris field had happened, we would have thought some things were understood we, we might have even thought some things were a no-brainer. They didn't need to be folded into that. But as we looked around, it became evident that these things, these actions, these places, they had to be in our story. And so I couldn't find one place in the Bible that gave a theology of all of these places, all of these things, because they are strong from Genesis to Revelation. But there's one story in Scripture, one miracle of Jesus Christ that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One that's repeated in all four places that Jesus did. It's a story you probably heard as a child. Mark records it in Mark chapter 6. In my Bible, it has a heading. It says, Jesus feeds the 5,000. I want you to turn your Bible to Mark chapter 6 today and not think of it as a children's story. The reason we teach it to children is because it's foundational. It's because it's not meant to be walked away from. Not long after the tornadoes came through, Christy and I had a, an opportunity to visit Galilee and the area where it's believed that Jesus fed these 5,000 people. And in that place, not long after the event happened, people started worshiping in that place as followers of Christ Jesus. It was life-changing. And in this scenario, God gives us one example of how all of these things, embracing, impacting, and empowering, how they weave into our daily life through the example of Jesus Christ. So if you're there in your Bible with me, Mark chapter 6, we'll start in verse 30 and we'll read the whole account today. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they'd done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away to the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them coming and going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. 
And when Jesus, excuse me, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and he said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away and go into, your own, into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he had answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds, by fifties, and by taking the loaves and the fish, he looked up in the heaven, he said a blessing and broke the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So in this passage of scripture, as we walk through it, I want to be methodical. Because the reality is, is that we could walk through each account, Matthew, Marks, Luke's, and John's, and, and see a bigger picture. But I, I want you to see what happens here, which is consistent with all of God's word. And the first thing we see is an embracing of God's word. When we started talking about what it meant to embrace God's word, we found ourselves landing with this idea that we pursue a life-changing relationship with God by submitting to the truth of his word. And that submission takes place in study, in action. But in the, the big scheme of things, that's what we thought of. If we're going to embrace God's word as a people, then we must be a people who pursue a life-changing relationship with him by submitting to what he says. Now, church, this is, this is groundbreaking, but it's not new. This is life-changing, but it's not a secret. You see, because since the beginning of the story, since the beginning of history, since the first time God said, let there be light, he was calling all of creation to be transformed by submitting to his word. You see, we, we live in a time where we think, um, we think of things differently. In fact, the disciples thought, just like many of us do today, look in your Bible in verse 37, I think it is today, as we get rolling together. In chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. But he, that's Jesus, answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii? That's like a day's wage. 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. I love that the disciples say, hey, there's a need going on. People are hungry. And, and Jesus says, that sounds great. You give them something to eat. And all of a sudden, the disciples do what we do, problem-solving mode. Do we have any problem solvers in the room? Yeah, like it's, you, you, listen, honey, there's someone at the back door. The problem solver is like, I got it taken care of. You know, they're picking up, you know, the stuffed animal on the way at two o'clock in the morning, whatever works. We, we want to make it happen. A problem solver sees a set of keys. Do y'all know what a set of keys are made for? Unlocking things. Did y'all know that? 
Now, a problem solver says, well, they're, they're made for unlocking things, but they're useful for opening Amazon boxes. That's, that's really, if I were to tell you how often I use them for each, Amazon is winning the key contest. That's what the disciples say. Jesus is giving them his word to submit to. Now, remember, from the beginning to the end, look through Scripture. When he says, come, follow me, it's not an invitation. It's like, do what you want to do. It's a command. You want life? It's this way. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is not a peer relationship. It's not a bro on bro. It's not a homeboy thing. He is our King and our Lord, and we are His through His blood. Church, listen. The disciples hear Jesus say, give them something to eat, and immediately they think problem solved. How can I make this happen for Jesus? How, how can I be creative in this? This is going to be crazy, and it only takes a millisecond for them to say it's insane what you're asking us to do doesn't work it doesn't make sense i've never seen it before it just it just can't happen i mean if i could maybe take up an offering ah oh, that's where it came from 200 denarii worth of bread then maybe we could buy enough for these people but our solution has already been told to you send them home you see, church, when you and I try to act out God's word through self-interpretation, we are taking a life-changing tool, the word of God that is meant to transform us, and we are using it to open boxes. At best, at best, if we pursue life change through transforming God's word into the tool that we need, in the moment at best we have wasted glory and at worst we are heretics at worst we have made the bible subject to the broken heart of men and women and, and as we looked in that church I, I want you to know this there are churches all over america that have the name Christian, that have the name church, and that say the name Jesus, that have chosen not to embrace God's word through submitting to it, but by making it applicable to their opinion in a situation. Church, this morning, I want you to know the disciples tried to do this. The disciples tried to make the offer they tried to interpret god's word instead of getting god's word interpret them and jesus said you don't know what you're talking about now listen to what jesus said one more time back in verse 37 it says this it says but he answered them you give them you see jesus wasn't calling them to produce the miracle was he he was calling them to offer life. Have you considered in your walk with Jesus that life change doesn't happen when you try to make it happen 
but it does happen when we receive what's given to us and offer it how God calls us to. This is the idea of, of submission, of falling underneath him. I remember sitting in the room and, and Johnny Gibson, one of our church members, said, I like the word embrace because the word embrace means to accept willingly, to receive gladly or eagerly. And in that moment, I thought in my life, has there ever been a time when I have willingly and eagerly accepted the word of Jesus Christ, not having to understand how it worked, not having to have all my questions answered? Has there ever been a time when I have eagerly and willingly submitted myself to whatever God's word has commanded me that I have not seen life change? Never. Never in my life have I, have I seen submission to God's word not yield fruit. And the disciples are the same way this day. If you go on through the story, here's what you tend to find out. That all of these people come together and the disciples now learning their lesson, Jesus says, go find and tell me how many fish you have. They just do it. And they come back five and two they don't say uh it's just five and two and this is never going to work i've tried to figure it out so and so has a sushi license i think we can give a sliver of a smell to everybody they 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 simply obey now and then he says have them sit down and they simply obey now and then he blesses the food and gives it to them to pass out and they simply obey and as they're obeying life changes life transforms church and what we have to realize in our submission in our life is if we submit to the life-changing word of jesus christ then we are redefined we are made from death to life, reimagined through the blood of Jesus Christ. Church, the question is, do we submit or embrace God's word in that way? Or is it an excellent tool that we use to integrate with the other good tools in our life? 2 Timothy chapter 6, chapter 3 says that Scripture is God-breathed. To embrace God's word means that you and I believe that Scripture is the best and highest authority to create life. That everything else is just broken. Have you ever thought in that moment, in that place, that there's always something that has to drive change in your life. I can't imagine what the young man was thinking as he went up and he prayed with our team on Wednesday night, but something was driving him towards death. How many men and women trying to reinterpret, reimagine themselves are just simply trying to answer what is driving the incompleteness in their life? How many marriages are making it, surviving, while husbands and wives tear their lives up trying to figure out 
how to change what was dreamt to be amazing just into something that is endurable. Let me tell you the truth. All scripture is God-breathed and useful. It is useful for teaching about marriage, about life. It is about useful, about rebuking and correcting. It's useful for training all in the right way, in a right relationship with God. So this morning, if you don't make it any further, here's what I want you to know. If you are worried or concerned about where you are, if life and COVID has torn down your pictures and your image of what you thought could be and what you're holding looks nothing like of what you've dreamt it to be, I want you to know this embracing the word of God John chapter 1 Jesus Christ himself and the authority of God's breath shared with us will transform who you are but be careful not to add any additives to it or it will no longer be what it once was church this morning we are a church that must commit to embracing willingly and eagerly God's word as the authority of our life greater than the thoughts in our minds the passions of our heart or the desires of our hands and that is where life change begins but there's more to this story and there's more to our story because we know faith without works with death. If you submit to God's word in your life, you're not going to be a, a, a pew-sitting uh, uh, theologian. Because you're going to be exercising what the Father commands you all the time. And so we said, if we believe disciples don't just sit, then what do disciples do? They impact the circles in their life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they impact their circles. You know, as I looked at, at this passage, go back to the very beginning with me in verse 30. Chapter 6, verse 30. I, I want you to see what Jesus did. Because this is, this is potent. It says, The apostles returned, and Jesus told them all they had done. He would said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going and they didn't even have leisure to eat and when they went away by themselves in a boat to a desolate place many saw them going and recognized them they ran there on foot and all the towns they got there in front of them verse 34 and when he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things you see impacting someone's circles means a commitment to investing the lives of people around us by living out and actively sharing the gospel of jesus christ now the gospel of jesus christ is is contained in matthew mark luke and john but i want you to know the gospel of jesus christ is the good news the story of jesus christ it's what all of the old testament points to and it's what all of the new testament longs for if you and i come to church week in and week out and it is not the gospel of jesus christ calling us to the return of jesus christ in eternity with jesus christ that this is just going through the motions it's wasted because that's what scripture points to as a child my mom impacted her circle 
My, my dad grew up going to church-ish. My mom grew up going to church with her family and when they got married and moved to a new town, from the time I was four is as early as I can remember until the time I left the house. My mom made sure that the gospel was impacting my life. We, we had tapes of Bible stories that I went to sleep to for a decade. We got to pick our favorite food out of the pantry on Friday night if we memorized a passage of scripture. We went to camps and VBSs because she realized that impacting my life was best done when she introduced me to other people's circles who loved Jesus Christ and were committed to impacting anyone in their circle. And so whether it was a, a, a man who I only know as Mr. Gary in seventh grade who decided that the Lord brought me into his circle and he impacted my life and the a life of my friends, whether it's Tommy, who is my youth pastor, who my mom made sure I knew and was connected with, whether it was David and, and fill the names out of how it would go, my mom made sure that the ones who Christ entrusted to her would be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a father, I know how tiring some days were. I learned through experience what it feels like to say, guys, let's go to a desolate place. We haven't had time to eat. I know we're hungry. And then the Lord brings people into the circle of Christ. And scripture says in verse 34, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. That's not new terminology. That's terminology that's used in Kings and Ezekiel to remind God's people of what happens when broken leaders and broken answers are what people try to soothe themselves or find hope in. Political asylum faith is not a new thing. And Jesus saw their brokenness and their desire to know life with no answers and the Bible says in that moment he had compassion on them and began to do what? To teach them many things. You know church, I, I know God has gifted some with the gift of evangelism and, and it seems like God has made their circles really big and we should pray for such but we should not compare ourselves to such because they are just being faithful in impacting the circle that God has put them in if you and I commit to being a church that impacts our circle with the gospel then whether it is crowds of people or a group of disciples whether it's a woman at a well in the middle of the day or one caught in adultery, whether it's a tax collector in a tree or a booth. 
Do you see, big or small was not the point. It was simply that wherever Jesus was, he was impacting lives with the gospel. Church, this morning you may say, I I'm watching from home and there's no one around except for this facility I'm living in. Then that's who God's given you to impact. You may say this morning, I'm stuck at home and all the time it's just my children and I wish I, I could go and do all the things that other people do. Then you just be faithful to impact the circle that God has you in. You are accountable for the people around you. And when your life gets larger, or if it never does you'll be accountable then too so whether it's on the mission field or vacation bible school whether it's in downtown houston or in the backyard of your house in Pearland, will you follow the example of jesus christ the example of the lives who showed you the gospel who were willing to go out of their way when they were tired and hungry Will you say to follow you, Christ, means not to envy what others can do, but to be faithful in my circle, with my children, with my spouse, with the person across from me at the grocery store checking out my groceries, the waitress at the table. I love Scripture. And over and over from beginning to the end, the Lord calls us to be faithful with what we have, not with what we have not been given. And to impact our circle with Jesus Christ is to be about God's work. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying and he says, listen, I know why I'm faithful. He says, Father, in verse 4, I have glorified you. I have been obedient to do what you've told me to do. Church, it is because of our desire to bring God glory that we must be faithful to impact the people around us. If you look at Jesus' life, he was hunted by many because everywhere he go, he left a mark. The, the, the word impact it, it means a mark has been left. I started writing down the word holy impression. That's what it meant to me to impact my circle. Whoever is around me, whatever our relationship is, God, would you leave a holy impression as deep, as wide, as shallow, or as long as it takes for your kingdom? What would it be like if everyone in this church, everyone watching, said, I commit to what God has given me to impact the circle that I'm in, not to be envious of where I am not, but to impact the circle I am in with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to leave a holy impression on those around me. I'll tell you what will happen lives will change not because of your story but because of his but we realized that, that even in that moment didn't encapsulate what we had to do 
we we must submit to the word and embrace it we must impact the lives and our circles around us but but we have to empower i i love this because i watch this story it's all about jesus and every story is all about jesus but look what jesus does he could have very easily said you guys need a rest which he said at the very beginning all the crowds or people are coming y'all hang out in the boat i am the expert for the lord i'm his son and they would have said yes sir we're in we're obedient but jesus not because he had to but because he chose to when they were weary didn't leave them in the boat but he empowered them to live for him listen in verse in chapter excuse me verse 30 it says the apostles returned to Jesus and he told them all they had done and taught and he said to them come he made them go from where they were to where he knew people were coming and when they went ashore they were crowded verse 34 and they said send them home they were looking for rest but he answered them you he commanded them to sit them down he included them in the miracle empowering believers to make disciples of Jesus Christ is not new it just means that we in following the example of Christ will be a church not about people trying to be the one the one has already come not about people exalting experts and making people indispensable but about empowering believers to assist followers of Christ Jesus into maturing and discovering the unique gifts that God has given him and her church that's what Jesus did didn't it didn't didn't Jesus in this moment speak those words and in John chapter 14 didn't Jesus say the words greater things will you do to his disciples because of the spirit because he was going away didn't Jesus build the anticipation when he sent his disciples out don't forget prior to Mark chapter 6 we're recorded that Jesus had sent the disciples out he had empowered them and they were coming back over and over scripture is not about exalting heroes it's about building the kingdom when you read this story do you see yourself when, when you read the feeding of the 5,000, do you miss the lessons that Jesus was teaching his disciples and why they would be? In the book of Acts, as we walk through it, the physical man, Jesus, has gone to be with his father and the spirit has come to empower the church. And I wonder... Peter is in prison if he ever thought Lord I remember you did the impossible and you let me come along so whether this jail is my final place or not I believe you can do the impossible because you brought me along I wonder if 
Jesus sending them out two by two was on the, the minds of the disciples as the story was told. When Barnabas said, all right, Lord, I submit. I'll take this young man, Saul, under my wing. We've become a culture about elevating broken heroes. Look to the stories of the kings and Ezekiel to see where that leads the people. But that was never the story of the gospel. You and I were made to be empowered and to empower others to do the will of the Lord. This morning, church, where do you stand? I looked in the mirror of these words, embracing, impacting, and empowering. And it's really easy to see insufficient, insufficient, insufficient. But the vision of Scripture it doesn't simply tell us what we've accomplished but it reminds us of where we're going and so as you sit in this room today as you sit at home and the wreckage and the roughage of broken small groups of broken relationships of, of struggling marriages of, of unusual places surround you the Lord is calling you to bring him glory and in bringing him glory to know what life changing power is all about it begins with joyfully and willingly embracing the word you cannot do that as an infant So God has you right here, right where you are. Maybe for this moment to say, God, I have never submitted to your word. I have never given myself to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But today you have impacted my life through the reality of your word. And I wanna be different. I want you to transform me. Church, this morning, maybe you sit here and COVID has given you a reason why community can't work. Maybe it's been the excuse to keep you still and unmotivated. The reality is, or maybe what's going on in your mind is, it's easier to start over than to restart where I am. This morning, would you allow Holy Spirit to look into your heart and say, have you stopped impacting the lives around you with the gospel? Is that why you're so weary? Because our society has said, it's all about me. Protect yourself and we'll get through this. That's not what scripture says. So maybe this morning, it's about owning up and saying, God, jumpstart my spirit. Let me start with the smallest circle I can and follow you. Maybe today is the day where you realize you were made for more. Let's pray together.
Father God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for your word. Lord, this morning as we come to you, God, I just pray that you would allow your spirit to do what only you can do. In every moment, in every second of every day, Lord, that your spirit would, would work in us and through us towards your will and your purposes. Father God, I pray that if there is anyone in the situation that I have described, God, Lord, that your spirit would say, come child, let me teach you, let me feed you, let me change who you are. In Jesus' name.